0: The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic. Improving conversion rates. Increasing customer value and getting things done fast. Listen. Take action. Make money.
1: Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is LinkedIn expert, Vivica Von Rosen. Go to linkedintobusiness.com to find out more. Hi, Vivica.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Vivica, could you just let us know a little bit about yourself and how you got started training people on how to use LinkedIn better?
0: Sure. Um, so I'm Vivica Von Rosen with linkedin, to business, uh, LinkedIn. Dot com. Uh, You know, I actually started on LinkedIn. Um, I, I started with LinkedIn first, which is kind of backwards for most people when they approach social media. Mm-hmm. And I did it because I um, used to run a business center. And so I would bring people in to train on various things, uh, you know, business development, um, networking, online resources, things like that. And I brought actually someone in to talk about um, Web 2.0 one day. This would be back in, I think, 2003. And she also mentioned social networking, which was fairly new back then, because I don't even think. Facebook had gone public yet, mm-hmm. and so she mentioned LinkedIn, and because we'd had so much success with our own business, we've been able to double, um, double the business, uh, double the size of the business and the income of the business within a year using basic face-to-face networking. I thought, well, wow, this LinkedIn thing could be really, really powerful because you know you're, you're doing the same kind of thing. You're engaging with people, yet you're doing it on an exponential level. Mm -hmm. And so I started to get a little bit more involved with LinkedIn um, and then started taking some trainings myself. We had a training company in Denver that did a lot of training on LinkedIn and um, became certified. And it just took off from there. There was a huge desire from people to know more about it, I think because it is a business networking site. You know, it's not people you talk about, Facebook and Twitter, and, and I adore Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but but a lot of businesses kind of move those aside. It's a harder sell. But with LinkedIn, it is a business networking site. You know, the all the executives from the Fortune 500s are on it, and that's basically all I need to talk to to say to a potential client. Um, and then we're 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 booking times for training. So,
1: yeah, sure. Savita, so, you mentioned briefly there about other social media sites. Um, Facebook and Twitter, of course, very big ones. What are the main differences between LinkedIn and the rest of the social media sites out there?
0: Well, you know, I think the main thing is LinkedIn isn't frivolous, and and like I said, I love Twitter. And it has been probably the best tool I've I've had for um, PR and, and actually getting out and connecting with people, but it has a reputation of being frivolous. Um, and certainly with Facebook, there's all those games and applications and. all all the mess going on about, you know, about security right now. Um, There's the tagging of videos and photos that you really, even though theoretically you can control them, you can't. And so there's a lot of frivolity around the other two social mediums. I think they're both very, very important to a business's success. But once again, LinkedIn is Uh, you know, the frivolity is kind of cleaned out. And so they do have, um, they're they're understanding the need to connect to people. So they brought in things like um, sharing to Twitter, and then they've brought in things like making comments on updates, which is very, very Facebook-like, um, the ability to follow people, to follow companies, to follow conversations, which is very Twitter-like, but it's all very, very focused on on the um, professional, on the business professional.
1: If you could describe the average typical LinkedIn user, is that slightly different to the average person on, say, Facebook or Twitter? Uh, is it like you said, more focused on business individuals, CEOs, freelancers, that kind of thing?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the main focus, of course, was business professionals. And actually, when it first launched, it was mostly IT folks. You know, it's really it was very, very rich, and still is um, in in internet technology um, types of folks. Now, some of the statistics that are different. Is the average user on LinkedIn's a little bit older? The average age is 41 years as compared to I think Facebook is. Thirty-eight or thirty-nine, and I think Twitter is like thirty-six-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, the average household income is around one hundred to one hundred and nine thousand, uh, you know, per household. So that's a little bit higher than the average Facebook or Twitter user. Mm-hmm. And and I think the statistic which um, means the most to me is that forty-six percent of the users on LinkedIn are the decision makers in a company. So uh-huh. yes, executive level, C-level folks. So if I am looking, you know, if I'm looking to engage with someone, if I'm looking for a client, if I'm looking for a service or product, I don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. I don't have to get through gatekeepers in order to connect with the people who can make the decisions that I need them to make for my business. So I think that's the stat that I that I most appreciate. Um, Now, interestingly enough, while it is very, very professionally based, the fastest growing industry group are um, service industries because mm-hmm. i think people are realizing you know you have all these professionals who need services not just professional services but but more generic there's a lot of um, virtual assistants there's a lot of uh you know less titled let's call it less titled professionals um, coming on to linkedin and certainly a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners as
1: well when we're on linkedin are we primarily looking to make connections with other people so that we have strategic alliances and we can do joint ventures with them or are we actually looking to sell and promote our services and products on linkedin
0: Thank you for for asking that question. It's about the relationship. And I think the problem that um, users on LinkedIn, especially people who aren't using other social mediums, they don't understand that this is not traditional marketing. This isn't pitch your stuff as much as possible to as many people as possible hoping someone will buy. This is very much about building a relationship. And while I kind of disagree with... um, with uh, LinkedIn's, I'm, I'm going to call it theology, um, in that you have to know everyone you connect to, it mm-hmm. comes It comes from a good place in that they don't want you, they, they want you building relationships. They don't want you just going out there and and, and pitching your tent to whoever, you know, happens to be in the room. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very important that you use all social mediums, including LinkedIn, just as just as a way to start to build a relationship with someone, so that you can you can find the people that you need to connect with, but that you're actually sharing with them valuable information, so that you begin to attract them to you as potential clients, as potential vendors, as potential partners. That um, you know, and and sometimes you'll use it, of course, to find a name of you know a potential uh, partner and then you know address them, but. But people who get on LinkedIn and they build these and i'm I'm one of them I've got a gigantic list, mm-hmm. but I don't abuse it. I don't get on there and just send my sales letter five times a week. You know that's mm-hmm. annoying it doesn't it doesn't work. it just plain and simple doesn't work. There are ways to use LinkedIn for marketing definitely um there's ways of using groups, there's ways of using. Answers. There's ways of using profile forwarding and messaging, most definitely. But but in those cases, you're still doing it from a place of attraction marketing or information marketing or education marketing, as opposed to you know just traditional um, outbound, um, blatant sales marketing.
1: How can we expand our network? With other social networks, you can send a request to almost anyone and ask to be friends with them. But LinkedIn is slightly different to that. Could you just explain to us how that works and how we can invite people into our network?
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so LinkedIn has a couple limits. Um, you can only send out up to 3,000 invitations in a lifetime. In a lifetime, you can't buy more. I mean, you can sometimes beg for more from customer service, but <laughs> you can't buy more. Having a paid account doesn't give you more. So you only, in, a, in an entire lifetime, you know, until Google buys them, uh, <laughs> you're only going to be able to send out 3,000 um, 3,000 invitations. So that's the first limitation. And by the way, they don't tell you that usually until you're down to your last thousand. And wow. they have this fantastic tool that allows you to upload your list and invite everyone on it, just like just like Twitter, just like Facebook. Um, and if you have more than 3,000 people on your list, and you use this tool every single invitation you send out counts. So even if only 150 out of your list of 4,000 accepted your invitation, um, you've, you've blown through it. LinkedIn is now essentially useless and you might as well just start over. Close your account and start over. And once again, LinkedIn does not tell you this until it's too late, especially for folks who have bigger lists. The other thing they don't tell you about really, I mean, it's in there in the small print, but you have to, it's like point two font, um, they have something called an IDK, an I don't know. And so, just like on Facebook, you know, you have the opportunity of connecting with old classmates, people who worked in the same company that you've worked in, friends of friends, that kind of thing. And yet, if that person just doesn't remember who you are, um, which of course happens all the time then, because we don't all have unusual names like Vivica, um, then you get what's called an IDK. And enough IDKs, that's I don't know Vivica, or I don't know Joey, or I don't know, you know, you, um, enough of those, and your ability to do things within LinkedIn is extremely restricted. So I recommend to my clients, you know, whenever you're reaching out to someone who is not, um Whenever you're reaching out to someone who, who you don't clearly know, I mean, who's, you know, not your neighbor, your friend, your family, who didn't, you didn't work with for 10 years, please in your, in your letter to them, in your introduction to them, remind them how you know them, and then ask them to archive the message if they don't want to connect. Because your, your options are accept, I don't know, archive, reply, and spam. And so there's no delete, and so a lot of people just, you know, for fear of privacy or whatever, will say, I don't know this person, because they think that's the safest route. They don't understand that archiving is like deleting. Um now, actually, um, with some of my clients, the, LinkedIn is playing with some new platforms. And so I did notice with some, I don't have access to it yet, but some of my clients um, do have a delete button, which is kind of interesting. So we'll see if that comes up or not. Okay. But for most of us still, there's just the archive message. So as long as you tell your prospective connection, you know, that it's okay to archive it if they don't want to connect, then usually people will. I've sent out a little over 2,000 invitations, and I only have three IDKs. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I know all those people who decayed me. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just by using this technique. Now, the thing LinkedIn doesn't tell you, and the reason I have a big network, is because you're only as visible as the size of your network. And so, <laughs> you know... It, there are two complaints. I get two complaints from clients. The first one is everything they try to do gets blocked with a message that says you're not the intended user of this or recipient of this, and mm-hmm. that's because they have more than one account, which by the way, LinkedIn makes it really easy to create more than one account, and then you get in trouble because of it. But the second thing is because their network is too small and you know and LinkedIn does this to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that um, however. I think LinkedIn's kind of, you know, it it it's kind of inhibiting its own growth because on Twitter, you know, you actually have access to all 105 million users or it's probably up to 115 million users now. But um, you have access to everyone in a search. You can see their names. You can follow them, you know, and then maybe you can engage with them and get them to follow you back. But on LinkedIn, if someone is outside of your network, if someone is outside of your first, second third tier or doesn't share a group with you, then all you get to see is their name at their company. So and, and if you want to see more about them, you have to upgrade to a paid account. Or if you want to send them a message, you have to pay LinkedIn either $9.95 if you have a free account or you know you get one you get three in mails a month with a paid account in order to connect with them. The way around that is just to have a bigger network, number one and then, you know, be a member of some larger groups. And so when I'm working with clients, what we do is we find some groups, you know, their industry groups, their clients' industry groups, alumni groups, um, and then certainly open networking groups there, and, and there's a group called Linked HR, which is almost 300,000 people, and all of a sudden, it's like you're connected to all those people. Now, those people show up in a search. That is not true if your network remains small, okay. and then the other thing I tell people to do is, is invite other open networkers like me to connect because if you invite me, you get 2 million people in your network just by inviting me. And so there's a lot of other people like me out there. So you can find us either by searching for Lions, which is a LinkedIn open networker. So when you're using the advanced people search, you know, one of your keywords you pop in there is Lion. And those are all folks with really, really large networks. And if you, number one, invite them to connect, they will. And number two, they, they increase your network vastly. And, um, you know, and and once again, and I have to drill this into my clients' minds, and it goes against what LinkedIn says, how do you want to use it, but you're not actually connecting to your first level because you might do business with them. You're mm-hmm. connecting to them because there's someone in their first or second or third level that you might sure. be able to do business with. You're not connecting to people necessarily to do work or business just with them, you're connecting to their network and cool. you're only as visible as the size of your network and that's key, that's key to your success on social, on uh, LinkedIn.
1: When you said LinkedIn open network, is that why you sometimes see the word lion written on people's profiles?
0: Yep. <laughs> Top linked is another keyword you can use, invites welcome and then actually there is a, there's a, a website called toplinked.com T-O-P-L-I-N-K-E-D toplinked.com, and it has um, it has a list of the top 50 users. Now, I'll, let me warn you, um, while you can certainly invite all of those people, LinkedIn has put a new limit in, so even the top folks are only allowed to be connected to 30,000 people. So mm-hmm. if you use that top-linked, top 50 list, to invite those people to connect with you, just make sure you invite the people who have less than 30,000 users. But even just by inviting those, I think it's like really it's the bottom 25, even by inviting those bottom 25 users, um, you're going to grow your network out to 7, 8, 9 million, uh, you know, folks. And so you become now much, much more visible than, say, if you only had a couple hundred thousand in your entire network.
1: So we can only get 3,000 invites ourselves, but if someone else invites us, then we can have as many of them as we like, or is that uh, that the 30,000 limit?
0: As many as we like, up to 30,000. So I'm at 11,000 and... You know, when I get up to about twenty, twenty-five thousand, I'll probably start going through my network and calling some of the names. You know, much like Facebook's five thousand. You 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 accept everyone as a friend until you realize, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to get rid of some people here. Yeah, but but for right now, I mean, and most people, I, I don't recommend most people having a network as big as mine. I have a network this big because that's what I do for a living. But for most of us, you know, having five, six hundred, seven hundred people at our first level and 10, 11, 12 million people in entirety, that's all you need. That's all you need to be very, very successful on
1: LinkedIn. On the subject of becoming more visible, what are some other ways we can do this? Specifically, are there any ways outside of LinkedIn, but still on the Internet, on the web, that we can become more visible?
0: Just Sorry. by being on LinkedIn, you're pretty, vi- um, you're pretty visible, you know, I don't know what kind of relationship Google has with LinkedIn, but just by um, putting your name in the first name field and the last name field, you'll get usually the link. your LinkedIn, quote, website is what shows up first on a Google search. Sure. So that's very, very powerful. That's the first thing. The second thing is make sure that you customize your, um, your public URL, your public profile, which is your LinkedIn um, URL, Right now, it probably looks like LinkedIn.com forward slash pub forward slash first name dash last name and a bunch of numbers and letters. I recommend putting your name in there. Now, I used to recommend putting your company name or putting your um, putting you know like like I'm LinkedIn expert, um, putting your area of expertise. But now with social media, it's really about connecting with the individual. So try and get your name. Just good to try and get your name anyway. So okay. that's the, fir- the so that's the first and the second thing you do is create a LinkedIn profile. Make sure you're using your full first name and last name in the last name field. Now, I will give you a hint. But I want to put it with a huge, huge caveat because this kind of, this, this kind of ruined my life. Um, I mean, really it did. I went to see, it, it cost me an immense amount of money. I went to see, um, someone talk about social media ROI. So social media, uh, return, or I'm sorry, social media SEO, search, social media search engine optimization. And they said that one of the, the highest ranking fields on Google is the last name field on LinkedIn. And she said, whatever you put in that last name field will get you found on Google, probably on the first page, probably within a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. So first name, the first name field, and my last name p- field, I put Vivica Von Rosen colon space, LinkedIn expert and speaker. And, and I kid you not, within a week, if you typed in LinkedIn expert and speaker, there I was first on Google. The problem is that goes totally against LinkedIn's end user agreement. A competitor turned me in, and LinkedIn essentially blacklisted me. So mm-hmm. I went from because one and I'll talk about um I'll talk about optimizing your profile in just a minute, mm-hmm. but I went from being absolutely first. If you typed in in LinkedIn, not in Google, but if you typed in LinkedIn, LinkedIn expert, LinkedIn speaker, LinkedIn trainer, social media speaker, social media trainer, you know, all my keywords, you name it. If, whatever it was, if you type that in, I always showed up first on the LinkedIn search, always. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got blacklisted, you can't find me now. In fact, if you search for my name, two of my largest competitors show up first because <laughs> they know right. this and they put my name in their profile so that they show up before I do. So if, and and I went from getting probably 10 to 15 warm leads a week down to nothing. And then I found a new strategy and I'm back up to about three to five warm leads a week. But 10 to 15 warm leads a week, meaning two to three sales a week, gone, absolutely gone. So, you know, you weigh whether it's important enough for you to get found first on Google. If it is, then it's a great technique. But Mm -hmm. just understand it might make you invisible on LinkedIn, which could be a problem. Now, I talk about optimizing your website. Um, LinkedIn is very much like the, the Internet of, say, 1996, where the more you said something about yourself, the more true it became. So essentially, all you have to do is use your keywords, use those words you want to be found under. You know, think Google. Um, mm-hmm. Enough times and enough places in your profile, and you'll actually get found on the LinkedIn search on the first page usually. I get all my clients still on the first page, even if I can't be. Uh, so some of the key fields, though, is the title field. You want your keywords in the title field of your experience. Of course... Um, in the headline field, which is just right underneath your name, and then sprinkled out, you know, in in just various different areas of your LinkedIn profile. But the key, the key really to getting found on LinkedIn is uh, optimizing your title fields in your experience sections.
1: How do we go about getting LinkedIn recommendations, Vivica? And
0: thank you for saying that because actually, the more recommendations you get. The um, the more times the jobs you get recommended for come up, and if your keywords are in those title fields, excellent. Um, but yes, right. no, you're absolutely right. And so, um, if you don't have your three recommendations, and you know LinkedIn tells you you need three re- recommendations to have a hundred percent perfect profile, I disagree entirely. I think you need as many as you can get. Um, but if you have less than three, you can actually there will be a link. In that main front section, that main um, ed, uh, profile section, that you can just click on, it'll say "Get More Recommendations." So you just click on that. Now, if you've got three recommendations and you want to get more, if you come up underneath Profile and, and click on Recommendations, it will pull up all the jobs and all the um, all, all the experience and all the education that you've already input. And so you'll click on whatever job or whatever education that you want to um, that you want to get recommended for, and then a um, the opportunity to get recommended comes up. Now, uh, so you'll you'll ask to be endorsed. Now, let me give you some um, tips here. First of all, you can only ask for recommendations from people you are directly connected to. So that is, that's very limiting, and that's another reason maybe why you want a bigger network. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to invite people to connect to you on LinkedIn before you can even ask for their recommendation. Um, remind me to, to speak to that, and there's a kind of a workaround on that too, kind of. So first of all, you can only ask for uh, recommendations. Now you can ask for up to two hundred at a time. I don't recommend that, Mm -hmm. you know. And don't ask for recommendations. I get people in my network who I have no idea who they are, and they ask me for recommendations. I'm like, are you kidding me? So make sure you, you know, you actually know the people you're asking for recommendations from. Um, And then in the subject line, it just says, "Can you endorse me?" Go one step forward. Go one step further. Go. Can you endorse me for the work we did together? you know, mm-hmm. at this company, at this school, you know, at this nonprofit, whatever it was. And then it um, it, it it creates text for you. I say, whenever possible, change the text that, that LinkedIn gives you, change the default. And so I just say, I just um, tell people, you know, it's okay, I'm sending you to ask for a brief recommendation on my work. And then I say something like, can you speak to, and then put in bullet points, you know, help the people out. If I get a request for a recommendation and I don't really remember the person or know the person or they're not like a close friend of mine, you're going to get something that says, like, he's nice, and that's not a good recommendation. But if you tell me what to say, I'm I'm much more likely, A, to actually do the recommendation for you, and then it's going to be more effective for you. So, yes, it's absolutely necessary, I think, for folks to get recommendations. I talked to a recruiter the other day, and she's the only person I've ever talked to who didn't think that recommendations were worth it. Um, I disagree entirely, um, and, and in fact, many of the, the the search engines is based on your recommendations. And of course, when you're getting recommendations, the 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 more popular, the more powerful, the the bigger the name of the person that you get a recommendation from, the better. So right. you know, make your list of ideal folks that you would love to get recommended by. See if they're on LinkedIn. If they are see if they'll connect you directly, and then see if they'll write you a recommendation.
1: The next question I had was about groups. You mentioned them earlier. So first of all, what are the advantages of groups? Is it in joining other people's groups? Is it in creating your own groups? How does it work, and how can we use groups to our advantage?
0: Well, uh, both, actually. So first of all, let's talk talk about joining other people's groups. So there are some groups you will join just because they're big. And that gives you access to everybody in there. (laughs) So I will be completely, you know, there are several groups that I belong to because they have several hundred thousand people in them. And I don't do anything with them. I don't participate in discussions. I don't Mm -hmm. upload news articles. I just belong to those groups so that I have access to those people. Similarly, if there is someone that I want to connect with, I may join a group only because they're, they're a member of it. And as soon as I'm accepted, as soon as I am accepted into that group, it mm-hmm. gives me the ability to speak to them, to send them a message. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to get around the in-mail thing is just join groups that people you want to talk to are a member of. It sure. doesn't always work, but it's, it's, it's a fairly decent method. Now, groups are an excellent place, though, not, and I'm still talking about other people's groups, to mm-hmm. create relationships. It's probably the best place to create relationships with other people. So this is why I recommended you want to join groups in within your own industry. So I would group, you know, join like linked strategies, social media groups or mm-hmm. social media strategy groups or social media marketing groups. And I would just take a look at what my, and I'm putting this in huge quotation marks, competitors are doing because I don't, I'm act, I've actually moved away from the competitive field or the competitive paradigm of work and moved into cooperative because I'm doing a lot of work with people who would traditionally have been my competitors. So, you know, I see who's doing what I'm doing. I see what they're doing well. And then now I can approach them. If there's something that comes up um, that I don't feel, you know, comfortable about or that I don't want to do, I now have them as my referral base. So I'm creating these strategic partnerships with people who used to be my competitors simply by joining groups within my industry and, and seeing what some of the best people out there are saying. So that's the main thing is is creating relationships with people within your own your own industry. And then second to that is finding, you know, who's your niche market and join those groups. So I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs and female small business owners. Mm-hmm. So I join groups with a lot of female entrepreneurs and 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 business owners and I look at the the questions and the discussions And any time, once again, that I can contribute to those discussions in a meaningful way, not one-word answers, that's a waste of time. But if I see a question or a discussion that I know that I can contribute to, Mm -hmm. I will do so in a meaningful way. I'll, I'll actually open up a Word document. I'll answer their question, which, by the way, that then becomes blog material for me, which I then post, which I then answer their question, and I direct them back to my post. That's a ninja trick. That has gotten me a lot of good business. <laughs> that's like super-duper ninja trick right there. And then um, so, and, and so that's, um, that's the industries um, that I work with, my niche market. So that's kind of how you use other people's groups. Of course, you can also post your blog using the news function too. Uh, so it's all top-of-mind awareness stuff. And once again, you're not selling yourself. Never get on a group discussion and say, hey, buy my stuff people will A, not follow you, and chances are they'll, they'll get rid of you. But what you want to do is just share your knowledge, share your expertise, um, and, you know, give them enough information. I usually give people the why, and then they call me for the how. So give them the why, answer their questions, then, you know, they'll call you for the how, hopefully, if you're, if you're convincing enough, if you're informative enough, if you share enough valuable information with them. And then finally, of course, creating your own group. The great thing about creating your own group is, once again, it allows you to communicate with vast networks of people who might not normally be within your network. Um, And so you can do it, you know, if you own a group, you can send that group an announcement once a week. You know, and if you have 200, 300, now it's going to take a while, or even 1,000 or even 5,000 or even 10,000 people in your group, then you definitely, um, you're, you're able to, it's like a newsletter. You're able to share valuable information with them. Don't make it salesy or you won't keep them as group members. If you have a group, here are, some, here are some very, very key tips, also ninja tricks. Make sure you have your keywords, what your group is representing, why you've created that group in your title field and in your description field of the group. You have a 1,000 or 2,000, I think it's even 2,000 characters to describe your group. Mm -hmm. Make sure your keywords are in there because, uh, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of groups on LinkedIn now. It's it's valuable, valuable property. People are not going to join up with you if you're not, if A, they can't find you. So first of all, they have to be able to find you. That's why you put your keywords in there. And then secondly, you have to share valuable information or they're not going to join you. So they have to find you and then they have to join you. You do that with keywords, and, and once again, just sharing good, valuable information. By the way, also, repurpose that as your blog content. Repurpose, repurpose, That's, I'm a big fan of repurposing.
1: Within groups, what kind of content can you share? Is it mainly uh, text-based, or can you do videos and audios, all sorts of stuff?
0: You know, links, you can link back. Um, with video, uh, SlideShare, you can actually embed videos within SlideShare and then upload the SlideShare application, and you can link to that. Um, I haven't actually played with embedding videos yet. That's an excellent question. Same Mm -hmm. thing with MP3s. Um, There are enough secondary applications out there. Box.net is an application that LinkedIn uses, of course, like I mentioned, SlideShare before. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, And YouTube, you know. By all means, link back to YouTube, if at all possible. My guess is that eventually LinkedIn will be more media-friendly and that it will be more than just text. But for right now, it is still kind of limited. But yeah. what I do like is that um, anytime you post news, it kind of replicates your website, so you do get a little bit more visual. It's, it's a little bit more visually attractive.
1: And last of all, I just want to ask you about jobs. There's a section on LinkedIn where you can post jobs, whether it's a freelancing job or it's to be outsourced or even full-time employment, that kind of thing. So how can we use the job section to our advantage on LinkedIn?
0: Well, and, you know, it's interesting. It used to be really, really powerful um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of recruiters knew that if you had a job listed on LinkedIn, that actually, you know, it, it kind of covered um career builder and monster and those things too um LinkedIn uses a tool called Simply Hired so if it can't find something on on LinkedIn itself mm-hmm. it will go out into Monster into you know job um job sites on on different companies and actually pull that information in it's a very very robust search engine called Simply Hired so by all means go into jobs put in your keywords and once again or you know your job titles um if you put a job title in quotation marks like if you want to be a IT manager, um, and you put them in quotation marks, it will keep you from getting a bunch of other management jobs you might not be interested or qualified for. So that's, that's just a little tip. Um, put, put your search words within quotation marks. It keeps them together in a search. And so it'll go within LinkedIn, and then it'll go within Simply Hired. Now, what's so robust, what's so powerful about LinkedIn is, yes, you can click on and go you know, apply for the job right there, but also you have the opportunity to see who is in your network who works at that company. Like, I don't know, the hiring manager, the CEO, someone else who's doing, you know, the job that you want to do. And you can contact those people and ask them for information. I think it's a great strategy <laughs> provided the person knows that they're, you know, that, that, that provided the person's not getting replaced that you contact. Yeah. But if you want a job somewhere you can use that tool as just a link that will do a search for you in that company and see who you know in that company. Look for your, you know, look for who's doing what you're doing and then just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm applying for a job at your company for the same type of position that you're doing. Could I call you for five minutes and just ask you a few questions about both the company and the job? In most cases, they'd be more than willing to agree. So, But you have to, you know, limit it to five minutes. So that's incredibly powerful. Once again, it gives you that, that insider's information. Um, now, also, um, groups have jobs listings. And I think the reason jobs, the, the actual jobs section, which is at the top header, is less um, people are, are posting there less now is because that costs a recruiter quite a lot of money for each job they post. But mm-hmm. in the jobs posting section within groups themselves, which unfortunately aren't searchable yet, recruiters can post for free. So once again, go into your groups and see what jobs are being posted within the groups as well. And then finally, if you do, using the jobs, using who's working here, or using the company's tool... If you do find someone who who is the hiring manager, who is the CEO, you know, who, who basically is going to be in charge of hiring you or not hiring you, see what they're doing. Follow them. Much like on Twitter, you can follow individuals. And you can see their status updates. You can see if they're blogging, what their opinions are. You can see what books they're reading by looking at their profile. You know. And you can get a lot of information about someone who might just very well be interviewing you. you know, and that's certainly information you, you can use in job search. So that's, that's a technique I, I, I teach my job seekers.
1: Just before we go, Vivica, are there any big mistakes that we should avoid, especially for people who maybe aren't familiar with LinkedIn? Is there anything that we should definitely avoid so that we don't get into trouble.
0: Yeah, uh, and and I've covered a lot of them, but let's just recap it. Don't put anything other than your last name in your last name field. Don't purposefully create more than one account. Now, a lot of times people do that because they don't have all their email addresses inserted into the email address section under settings. So make sure you go to settings to email addresses and and make sure every email address you have, Mm -hmm. whether it's public work, whatever, make sure it's in there. Um, but there are people who create you know different linkedin profiles you know for different businesses and they're very robust the problem is linkedin will make you choose if anyone ever reports you as having more than one profile or if their mm-hmm. analytics pick it up linkedin it's like sophie's choice linkedin's going to make you choose so okay. please one profile only with the mm-hmm. exception of you can create profiles in different languages as long as they replicate. Don't IDK people, just like you wouldn't want someone to say they don't know you. Don't IDK people um, who have spent one of their 3,000 invitations. If you really don't want to connect with them, if they are a direct competitor or an ex, you know, <laughs> <laughs> then then, yeah. then it's fine to archive that invitation. Um mm-hmm. You know, if someone is trying to sell you swampland in Florida or, um, you know, ask for your social security number, by all means, report them. But don't, you know, don't IDK someone because they've actually kind of done you a favor. And do accept all invitations. Because it doesn't matter who's sending you the invitation. It's their network they're bringing with you, with them because you don't know who you don't know and you don't know that you might one day need to do business with that person. You know, don't, 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 don't not accept invitations. And then finally, you know, just understand the ad connections tool is fine. Um, just only actually send the invitations, though. You know, you can upload your, your mailing list. Just only send invitations to the people who have the little blue signs next to their names. And are the little blue um, in symbol next to their names. That means they're already on LinkedIn. They're more likely to accept your invitation. And you're, you know, you're not going to run, you, you're less likely to run out of invitations before you're, you know, 29.
1: If someone has already made a lot of mistakes on LinkedIn and found limitations or restrictions have been placed on their account, although they can't have more than one profile, can they delete their account and start again? Is that allowed?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and once again, it's under settings and it's actually right under email addresses It's close your account. Well, so if you're relatively new, if you don't have a lot of recommendations, if you don't have a lot of connections, if you've made a lot of mistakes, it yeah. probably is easier just to start over. Mm-hmm. And speaking to that, one of my pers- first pieces of advice I usually give my clients is create your profile first in a Word document or some kind of text document so that if you ever do have to delete an account or... Um, you know, or, or even just filling in the different fields, the different sections, sometimes LinkedIn just doesn't take, it has hiccups. So if you create a personal Word document, you've always got it there. And then it's an easy cut and
1: paste. And that was something that when you had the problem yourself, Vivica, you already had quite a large network. So you weren't able to do that yourself.
0: Yeah. In yeah, fact, yeah. I, and I, that's how I, I, um, I created a new account, because I, I did what I told you not to do. I created a new profile um, just so I could get found again. And I'm pretty sure the same person who turned me in the first time turned me in the second time as having two accounts. And LinkedIn made me choose. Uh, so I could choose the one that I showed up everywhere, or I mm-hmm. could choose the one that had all the recommendations and, and the connections. And so I chose that one.
1: Brilliant! Thank you very much for all the great advice that you've given us. I know that you have a website which is linkedinto.business dot com, and you've got a ton more LinkedIn information over there, don't you?
0: I do, yeah. And um, much of what I told you today will be on there, but there's a lot of excellent free advice. I mean, the the first thing I always tell my clients is, what can you give away for free? And so, yeah, if you're just starting out on LinkedIn, or even if you've been there for a while, jump on over to my site, check out the LinkedIn tips, make sure you're following at least that advice.
1: Brilliant. That's the end of today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Vivica, a big thanks to you for coming on the show. It's a
0: pleasure. The
1: Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business
0: by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.